Heat Seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. Miles, what's the name of the next film? Next? No, what's the name of the next film we're watching? Next. The next film is next. Oh, Christ. Uh, yeah, wow, here we are. Uh, just two cubs in the den this time, but uh, welcome to Heat Seeking Panther. I looked ahead two minutes, but we still don't have a guest in the future, so I think we should just uh, do this one alone. I looked ahead two hours, and uh, th- this film sucks. <laughs> I looked ahead two hours, and this episode is too long yeah. for a movie about nothing. Yeah. Um, shit. So, uh, a Saturn co-production, a Saturn film, uh, um, Nicholas Cage, uh, he produced this one. Um, he really, his company really picks the, the, the dogs the to worst. back. It's really weird. At the same time, I, I look, I didn't look deep into this, but, uh, also around this time, Saturn produced a sci-fi original series called the Dresden Files. Um, that's based on some comic book series about magi- it's like it seems like X Files meets Harry Potter maybe or like magicians or something and with like werewolves or something. It's like the exactly the type of thing you that just Cage would like be into. Six genres in one sense. Yeah, I don't know. This is from like skimming the internet in the most superficial I mean, way. It makes sense the kinds of bizarre genre films that Cage gets himself into. Yeah, and that, was- that he would if there is just one th- intellectual property that encompasses. <laughs> all exciting genres he'd probably just be like yeah that's the one yeah yeah this it seems like it hits all of his sweet spot with uh i mean it it was not picked up for a second season so i can't imagine why and it was a sci-fi original series in 2007 like that's all i need to know about it to know that i don't care any anything i don't want to know anything else um but at the same time he was starring in this film based on a, an original story by Philip K. Dick. It's sort of like a paycheck total recall situation <laughs> where it's really just the concept is taken from a, is, yeah. is taken from a Dick story. It really, the movie itself has very little, little in common yeah. with the, uh, gold, the golden man. I the think golden it's called. Man. I actually read it like years ago. I don't remember it very well, but yeah, I mean, it, the movie is just like this guy can see two minutes into the future Okay. I mean, like, that's, that's as much as it's based on is, the story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's about the whole movie, too. I mean, for <laughs> in terms of anything interesting to say about it, like, that's... And it's funny you bring up Total Recall because uh, one of the three writers on it was Gary Goldman, who wrote uh, the script for Total Recall and the original script to Minority Report, mm-hmm. which... Is all I don't know if that's based on a Philip K. Dick thing. It is. Yeah. It is. So he's he's all about uh, pulling from Philip K. Dick stories about memory. Yeah, I <laughs> and, wonder why. And uh, it's he almost al- like he's got some unresolved uh, memory issues in his own past or something. Yeah, let's, Gary Goldman lay down on the couch. <laughs> he also wrote uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, I love that movie. I know, which <laughs> rich rules, and. Uh, so for this movie, he teamed up with writer Jonathan Henslay, who wrote Die Hard with a Vengeance. and Another movie I love. Uh, yeah, and Jumanji, which... Another movie yeah. I love. And uh, writer Paul Birnbaum, who wrote Disney's Halloween Town <laughs> and a bunch of bullshit. 
Um, but with their powers combined, they really did not come up with anything worth watching here. Uh, behind the, I mean, I, I think some of the blame has to be laid at the feet of director Lee Tamahori, who uh, you will remember. He has a resume that's all over the place. Oof. He directed Die Another Day, which is, oh. I think, the worst James Bond film. Is that the one with Halle Berry? I think that's the one before the one with Halle, or okay. the one after. It's the one with the Madonna song. Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta die <laughs> another day. Yes. I like how all James Bond themes they just <laughs> they just take the title of the movie and like make it a chorus, and I that's think, like the whole song. Yeah, I think that's the stipulation. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it might be the one with Halle Berry. It's. It's one of the, it. It's the sh if it's definitely the shittiest Pierce Brosnan Bond, which is saying which, something. Which probably makes it the shittiest Bond. I think by default. Is there is there a Bond that had like a that whose ratio of shitty Bond movies to good ones is higher than Pierce? No, and I mean we're getting way off topic, but um, I will go to bat and say that Pierce Brosnan is I, he might be my favorite Bond. I think he's. He's so perfectly cast. Get the fuck out of my house. Listen, Dave. though. Listen to me. Get the fuck listen, out of my house. First of all, Goldeneye is one of the best Bond movies. Every other Bond movie he was in is fucking terrible. And but I'll it's, give you that. It's not his fault. I'll give fault. you that. Goldeneye is like, it's go, great. Seriously. It's great, but it's not his fault. <laughs> he, he was just give. It was the late 90s, and they just. Did, I don't know. I think Austin Powers like fucked them up. They did. They just didn't also, know what the fuck. Also, weirdly enough, it might be do. the only instance where the video game is as good as the movie. <laughs> True, and and I, more I, influential. Um. Anyway, uh, he Lee Tamahori is behind Die Another Day and and uh, The Edge, the movie where Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin fight a bear. I. This is. First time this movie is on my radar, but it that, happened. That kind of makes me kind of want to see it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> we should watch it. I think Anthony Hopkins is like a billionaire, and his plane crashes or something with Alec Baldwin and some and other. They've got to like fight and, a bear to yeah, survive. They like fight. I think class issues maybe come up, and they fight each other, but they have to team up to fight a Kodiak bear. <laughs> but the trick is the Kodiak bear can see two minutes into the future. <laughs> the deck is really stacked. Okay, okay. Who do you think would win? Nicolas Cage, <laughs> whose character can see two minutes into the future, or three Kodiak bears? Oh, Cage, I think. I, I think. But if, do you think that he's able to process all of the possibilities? Like, think of, you have three fucking bears true. coming at you. Mm. I Well, what I learned from this movie is that... Uh, if you can see two minutes into the future, you can do anything and uh, you will succeed at anything you try. And um, really th that which gets gets to the real problem at the heart of this movie, which is that there are there's no tension ever about anything. Like but that's kind of what I like about it, though. I think okay. it actually I think the no tension and I am going to disagree with you there in certain scenes, and I uh -huh. actually noted them. We'll get to that later. But I think the I think the lack of tension works in its favor. Okay. Because then all you're dealing with is just how many iterations of the gimmick yes. that they can throw at you. Yeah. Which, for whatever reason, I'm on board with this gimmick. Yeah. I was entertained by the movie for, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I mean, yeah, you could poke a bunch of holes in the ways that they didn't follow I, through with the rules. I will. 
And we should. I mean, if if yes. not on this cast, where where uh, no one else is talking about it. Yeah, but man, but you know what, dude? Seriously, this movie, like, I was kind of down. You with enjoyed this movie. it, yeah, You're- yeah. Like, I'm not gonna tell someone to go spend money to rent it, but okay. like, if you see it on TV and you got time, okay, watch it. Yeah, yeah. I think I I might be a, a couple notches uh, less enthusiastic about it, but um, it. Definitely, it stands in a stark contrast to uh, Ghost Rider, which, you know, like ac- fans of the show will remember, actively made us both very angry. Um, I think I was, I think I was like physically sick after, yeah. <laughs> after recording that episode. We spent an hour and 40 minutes talking about how much we hated Ghost Rider. It was like therapy. It was like a processing session. And Max was just like, uh-huh, okay, yep. uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> just living, reliving our trauma. But um, in this movie, I, I, in you know, it's not objectively that much better, but it goes down so much easier. It was way easier to watch, uh, more fun. Though I, I do think that uh, there's there's no, almost no point in this story being told because, like, like seriously, the back third of the movie is just them doing this like FBI special operation thing and where anything bad that could happen gets circumvented like with Nicolas Cage just being like oh no don't do that <laughs> and then they don't <laughs> it's so boring but uh and have you noticed too that he's got the whole SWAT team is like a, he's like in the middle of a group of FBI agents all decked out in like riot gear and they're, and they're marching through the abandoned warehouse, but they're all with their tactical, you know, uh, and, and they have like their combat formations and stuff. And he's just wearing a suede jacket and boot cuts and just, and like standing really tall behind them, just pointing and being like over there. Over there, yeah, exactly. Watch out, it, it, yeah, it, exactly. Because he doesn't, he doesn't need that shit. He's just like, uh, oh, I'm about to get shot in the head. Uh, shoot that guy. Okay, uh, don't step there. That's a bomb. Actually, let's just go this way. <laughs> it's like, like what? What could like? more effectively like def- take any of the like tension and suspense out of out of a scene if you just have a character who calls out anything suspenseful before it happens <laughs> it's just like oh no that's a, that's bad actually don't do that uh but we're getting ahead of ourselves um next starring nicholas cage co-starring julianne moore for some reason for why why julianne moore why of all the cage movies to like be a part of <laughs> what called out to you and uh, Jessica Biel, who was in a career of flat vanilla performances, possibly the flattest and most vanilla. Yeah. I mean, I did. I, I would rather watch all 12 seasons of seventh heaven. <laughs> than Even have knowing to, that the dad's a pedophile. <laughs> then have to watch her in this again. <laughs> I, I mean, I felt bad for her. They, they, she had nothing to do. Um, this is, uh, it's, it, I feel like I don't even need to say it anymore with the, like all of his female co-stars are pretty much given like the most thankless roles in the, these recent movies. It's like, it's like having, it's the female co-stars in Elvis movies essentially where <laughs> they're just there to prop him up. And, and uh, as we've seen, and again, we see in this one fine line between cage and Elvis <laughs> yeah. real thin. Yeah. He, uh, he walks up to the line a couple times here. Um, but uh, so the premise of this, yes, is he is 
a Las Vegas mu- magician. Um, Frank Cadillac. Named Frank Cadillac. Uh, actually, disappointingly, his character, that's his stage name. His character's name is Chris Johnson. Um, but uh, he goes by Frank Cadillac for part of it, and that's what I'm going to call him. Um, and he, he's a stage magician uh, who was born with a superpower that uh, allows him to see two minutes into the future. Anything relating to him I, is... So, yeah, so it's only his personal experiences, things that he will personally experience. Yeah, and, and that, so it's not like he can just see what someone's doing, you know, miles away and anticipate it. Ostensibly, but then they, they break that rule in, like, several different ways throughout the movie. Um, they, they really run roughshod over it, which... Um, I, I think also gets in the way of this being like as fun as it could be because like if they actually stuck to the constraints, if they stuck yeah. to the constraints, yeah, I feel of, that it's it's another like high concept movie where like they don't even stick to the high concept that where it's it's super loose and, and the, so yeah and the things sorry let's no go let's, ahead, go no ahead. just let's let's plow through this yeah 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 so so he's yeah, Frank Cadillac. Um, and uh, we we see him. I'm I'm actually about to derail us really hard here, but it, it's fun. Um, we we see him in the, his Vegas show. Uh, he he pulls out two doves and goes, "Here's to world peace." Lets <laughs> them fly away, and uh, invites a, a young woman up on stage and uh, says, "Like, oh, your necklace is about to fall into your drink in three, two, one," and it does, and. Uh, some similar tricks and of note the actress who plays that woman is alice kim cage uh mother of kal-el cage and uh his married to nick cage in 2014 no 2004 so a couple years before this so um, she was a 19-year-old waitress at a Korean restaurant in Los Angeles called Kabuki. Um, where I wonder if it's still there. Yeah, me too. Also, why is it called Kabuki if it's <laughs> Korean? But I don't know. Um, they, white, white people don't know the difference. <laughs> it's fine. So they they met there. Um, presumably, he was a customer, um, and got married or got engaged two months later. Uh, a whirlwind romance. I yes. Yeah, I mean, as that, is his his want. That's yeah. sort of been the. I mean, Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, uh, fucking uh, what's her name? Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Yep. Um, the woman who gave birth to Weston. I forget her name too. But it's, it's, it's yeah. It, it's wild when you think that you're just some young woman waitressing, <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage comes in and he's like, "Hey, baby." Yeah. A 19-year-old uh, yeah. at working at a Korean restaurant. And, uh, I mean, it's got it's a, what a fairy tale. They, they got uh, engaged in large part because he wanted her to come with him to South Africa while they were shooting Lord of War. Mm. So, um, And then I, I tried to find, like, an interview with her. I tried to find her Instagram or what kind of what's going on with Is her. Is she low-key? Guess so. Um, the there was a bunch of gossip. They got they got divorced in 2016, and there was a, a bunch of like uh, gossip stories about her cheating on him. I think the reality is that their relationship kind of fizzled out, and she was like see, seeing people her own age. Um, so again, there's like uh, 
there's what, how old is he now? This is like a 12, 13, 14 year old, like year difference between them, which, you know, no shame, but woman's got to live her life. Um, and, uh, and yeah, also when I was looking for, uh, for more stuff about them, I, I saw <laughs> a, a really recent story of, uh, Nick Cage in, uh, I don't know if it was a Korean restaurant. Um, it's like Korean or a Japanese restaurant. And they have photos of him hitting on another like younger, youngish like uh, Asian woman. And then her husband comes in and you see like the sequence of him in like a plaid suit with his hair, kind of like in this movie and, but older and kind of hunched over and like, like spitting game. And then her husband's there and then he looks like super hangdog and sad. And apparently, apparently, uh, he was having uh, dinner there with Crispin Glover and Crispin Glover just busted up laughing, <laughs> watching him strike out. Um, Google that. It, it's worth your time. It's pretty good. Anyway, it it kind of warms my heart that he and Crispin are still such good friends, same, you yeah. know, and, and that they're like uh, to, Tom catting it out yeah. on the town uh, trying to pick up married women. God bless. Anyway, um, to keep, Frank your, keep your eyes. Yeah. Frank yeah. Cadillac. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to try to say the name as many please, times yes. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, you know, we, it's established that he's a magician and then it's immediately established that the casino cops are after him. The, uh, these, these, uh, the casino police have noticed that he has been using his superpower to, uh, win small sums of money very carefully, but, um, they're still like, they're like, what's he doing? He's not counting cards. He's, he, how is he like gaming the system? And, uh, while the casino cops are just catching on the, uh, I, I don't actually know what the, the security casino, I uh, just like the idea. Yeah, it's there's fine. Like, right, there's right. a police yeah. force, um, security the, cop, yeah. I mean, or, uh, uh, casino cops. I think yeah, that yeah. is kind of how Vegas works. Yeah. That the police are involved heavily in the, it's actually the name of my heavy, uh, synth noise Whoa, band, shit. casino cops. cops. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Um, and meanwhile, the FBI has been tailing him for an undetermined amount of time. It's undetermined how they found out about him. There's so, there's why, so much that is undetermined why about that they, situation. Why they're ahead of the casino cops because the, the, like it makes sense that you know, the, the casino cops have cameras and they've you know we we see the moment where they they see him and they're like oh that's the magician from blah 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 yeah we've been watching him so i don't know how the fbi scooped them on this um but julianne moore is uh has been tailing him i mean honestly a, like it could have been a cardboard cutout of julianne moore for yeah. all i know like her i'm sorry like no. her performance again i don't think that her facial expression changed once no. the entire movie no, it didn't. It didn't. She was like reading shit off cue cards is what it looked like. It, it wasn't acting. It was, it was just existing, just yeah. being there. Anyway, I'm sorry but to bring the, it up again, but I don't understand why such a talented actor would like, no, what, what all about this compelled her to do this? Yeah. I should, it, it, I should note that, uh, I looked up interview. I should have looked up interviews with Julianne Moore, but I looked up interviews with Cage about this movie. And, um, he said that he was drawn to the, the movie, um, this character, because you've, you've never seen a character like Frank Cadillac on screen before. <laughs> um, 
do you think that's true? <laughs> I don't know what. I mean, what character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do think that Cage comes across with a certain swagger in this movie sure. that in, endears you to him. Like as much of like a misanthropic, you know, like wasteoid that he is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never had this power. Sure. It's probably really draining on you to go through life with something like this. And, you know, he even says to Julianne Moore when the FBI finally catch up with them, he's like, I've been dealing with people like you my whole life. Right, right. We're trying to use my power for good. Yeah. He's like, but I just want to live. He's like, yeah. no one thinks about how I feel. I just want to be, I just want to live my life. Just want to be like a bitrate magician. Yeah. Which make a little money at the casinos. That sounds right. okay. Right. But, and I, but I think it also kind of brings up bigger questions of like, what responsibility does someone mm. who has these kind of power, not just these kind of powers, but great power in yeah. general. Yeah. Do they have a responsibility? And if they do, what is it to, right. to kind of put themselves aside for, you know, for a kind of like utilitarian greater purpose? Man, that this movie would have been so interesting but if, see, this it, is what if I was it thinking. had that. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I was thinking about, uh -huh. like during that scene and like when he barely touched on it with, uh, you know, I've yeah. been dealing with people like you my whole life. And but, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they just never followed through with the heavier philosophical questions. Well, I think, I, I, I think one of the better scenes that um, is similar to that is the scene where he, he has to, uh, he comes clean to Jessica Biel that has, that he has the power and she's like, you know, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And he, starts turning the TV channels yeah. and is saying the line that's going to happen on each TV channel before he changes it. And there's something about the way that he delivers that where he just looks so drained and so kind of like, he's like, it's not a magic trick to him anymore. And he's just like, look, like just, the, it, it feels like a curse. Yeah. And, and that is interesting. They don't, this movie does <laughs> almost nothing with what's interesting about it, but... You know, that's that's probably the seeds of the Philip K. Dick story. Honestly, Frank Cadillac franchise. Dude, like, uh, he no, like, should be the Marvel, the like, next Marvel he character. Is, like, he is, he's already an X-Man. Like, I'm sure yeah. this is a fucking power that an X-Man has in some iteration. And, and so it would just make sense to kind of make this more, you know, if you can kind of draw it out so you don't have to throw a two hour blockbuster up, you right. know, you can kind of explore these sorts of avenues. Maybe. I mean, I it was also feeling, I was like, is this a power that, uh, communicates cinematically? Like it, mm. it you know, yes, I actually wrote something down about this where I was like, okay, so I think the plot device worked better when they were trying to think three steps ahead and strategize as opposed to when they used it in battle situations yeah. where he was just dodging things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know? that, that shit, like I said, it's just boring after a while. You're you, you like it's the same trick over and over again. And yeah. and they do they do try some like different stylistic things with it, like where <laughs> where multiple cages come out of it and <laughs> see like that was gimmicky. I didn't need that whole part. Yeah. Um, come out of his body and uh, and jump around. Uh, yeah, but this this movie, I mean, 
this movie does something with the idea of using deliberate inaction mm-hmm. as a way to move the plot forward. Yeah. You know, because there were scenes where they just had to wait because they had to wait out the two minutes so that he couldn't see their next move <laughs> right. coming. So there were whole scenes of people just standing around looking at their watch True. and being like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and I just think that, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's just, there's just like, there's something and that, and you know, the, the other parts about them trying to strategize a plan ahead yeah. of, you know, the terrorists, it's like that whole, the, those kind of exploring these unconventional ways to move a story forward that on the surface you'd think would be really boring to watch, mm-hmm. but in reality are more exciting than the battle scenes yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you. All right, so uh, the FBI is after him, and they D- Julianne Moore has been tailing him and is knows about this power so in depth that she's already worked out the time frame that he can see into the future, and we have no idea how she has this knowledge, but um, but she she knows Frank Cadillac. Meanwhile, there's some terrorists who know arguably more about him than her that they they also like you know are after him and they they're, they're th- trying to kill him but do they ever say why they don't not, nothing about them is determined it's not we don't know where they're from they just have these like vaguely european accents we don't know what why they're doing what they're doing i mean the whole macguffin of the, the plot is that julianne moore needs frank cadillac's powers to uh to find out where these terrorists are bringing what, like a nuclear device? Yeah, they're going to um, detonate a nuclear bomb. In L.A. And she's trying to use Cage's power to determine so, where it is. So or, why are they doing that? Who are they? Why does she, What? how does she know this? How does she know about them? How does anybody, like all of these. Yeah, we're just kind of <laughs> dropped into the really middle of it. Really big picture questions are. But honestly, that, that kind of aligns us with Frank Cadillac because he also has no fucking clue what's going on. When he's just dropped into the middle of it. He, he, yeah, he only knows what's happening two minutes ahead. Um, and uh, and I did respect his, his decision that he, he pretty much immediately like he finds out that the FBI is after him that that they want that thing of him and he's like I'm just gonna go out into the desert I just don't care I want to leave um, because meanwhile while this is happening he he only sees two minutes ahead except he keeps seeing visions of Jessica Beale walking into a diner and uh, he has been for however long he's been going to the same diner and ordering the same thing and waiting for her to show up. And this same night day, it's, it seems like it's night when he gets caught by when, when they catch on to him, but then he goes to the diner and it's day. It doesn't fucking matter. He's like, he, he's like, this is the day that she's going to show up. And, uh, he <laughs> also, okay. I'm going to nitpick. The scene that I, I thought I liked the scene where uh, the casino cops and Julianne Moore are after him in the casino, and he like is like 
ducking them. He's like knows when their backs are turned and he's just kind of walking around super suave and he just goes out and steals a car and pieces out. Um, yeah, just because you can see two minutes into the future doesn't make you immune to the law. Yeah, yeah, they still know who you are. And also, like, what sets that off is that he's going to cash in his chips, and a dude he foresees that a guy is about to pull out his gun and shoot two people, like hold, stick up the the casino, and he stops the robbery, and then they're like. The, the cops are like, drop the gun. And he's like, oh, it's not mine. And then he just <laughs> runs. He does like the exact opposite of what he should do. He runs and steals a car when he could have just, you know, there's no need to like bring the heat. Like he, he really like uh, to, made things complicated for himself unnecessarily. But, you know, maybe he, he saw into the future and that was the best way to do it. Well, this Who movie knows? didn't have enough tension for the plot device of a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Off. Pl- so it had plus, to also like, add powers. him. Yeah, but it had to add him running from the cops as you know, well. That's where the like three screenwriters like really like to show you where you're like somebody had that idea and then they they stuck that scene onto another scene. You know, like it. they forgot the reasons that that things were happening. Um, Much like the terrorists themselves. Yeah. Why? Yeah, no, it's, it's too too many cooks. But anyway, um, he, he steals a car, and he before he goes to see Jessica Biel, he stops at his bachelor pad um, where there's an old man... <laughs> it's kind of like his, his Alfred, I dad? guess. Like, or like, I don't know. Yeah. He, he's like a butler or like a guy that he like lives there, but you don't really know. Anyway, he, he's he never stole, he, he brought him a sandwich. I remember was a part of it. And they, play, he's like, I stole a car. Here's a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And they, they play pool together. Uh, I, I wanted to know what, what did you think of this bachelor pad versus the bachelor pad in like ghost Rider? Or it kind of reminded me of Gone in sixty seconds. It's yeah. like it's like a yeah. garage filled with yeah. neon and blinking lights and like a pool table. I would I would vote this one between. I would vote Gone in sixty seconds number one. Yeah, and then I would vote this, this one, one, and then I would vote Ghost Rider. The Ghost Rider one's kind of depressing. Yeah, but actually, I think I would put Zandali at number one above all of them. Oh yeah, that like yes. crazy loft with his like his weird paintings. artwork like hanging all over the place. Yeah, I would have liked to, to see the the loft in Zandali, but with the lighting scheme of this one, yeah, with, the, with all just the, the wild neon. neon yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. It's it's almost like he went to like the the neon graveyard in Vegas and just stole a bunch of signs and then like strapped him to the wall of his like bachelor pad. I mean, to be fair, he could do anything. <laughs> he can do whatever the fuck he he's wants. He's a fucking super, he's, he's a superhero. He, yeah. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's not like Superman, but he, um, like I, another scene that I appreciated was he goes to the diner to meet Jessica Biel. He sees her come in and then he plays out like every scenario in his head of how he can like step up to her and spit game. Like he, he like sees every, every way that he could strike out and, uh, and, and games it out. And that's, that was one of the most fun sequences of him using his power and, and it being like, Oh, this is how this would actually affect your life, and it, which is funny. Like again, but it also brought up really, really like there's implications about that, and the whole mm. situation of him, his destiny being to fall in love with Jessica Biel. It really, it kind of unsettled me. Right, because he can manipulate her. Yeah, and I'm trying to like parse out exactly why. So I'm sorry if I'm like stumbling around my words a little, but it's okay. So it's this whole idea that. You know, it's just a foregone conclusion in his own mind that 
he's going to fall in love with her and they're meant <laughs> yeah. to be together. Yeah. Right. He's, he's like a precog stalker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But then it's the whole Macbeth situation where, you know, like someone tells you that something, or you find out that something is going to happen in the future. So you make certain steps, take certain steps to make sure that it does or does not happen. Right. It, it's, it's the whole catch 22 of like, she's my destiny because I knew she was my destiny. Yep. And, and it's also kind of the sorts of things like in the final battle sequence where he's like, okay, shoot over there. Okay, shoot over there. How does he know to tell them where to shoot if they haven't shot yet? Yeah. You know, because he's yeah. stopping them from shooting. Right. So I think it's this like whole like implication of, of if you have every option in front of you, are you really making the correct choice ever? And, and is that moral too? Right. I, I mean, right. you know, and I was thinking about that with like – because watching that long battle scene at the end, you know, (laughs) these people are just getting murked, like getting, and like they are, there's nothing in the movie to suggest that they're anything but bad guys (laughs) with a capital B. Like they are bad guys who deserve to die because they're going (laughs) to nuclear explode Los Angeles. Like, okay. Um, So, you know, the moral morals don't really like come in and you can kind of turn your brain off. But when you... Uh, when you have somebody in a relationship, when you have, have like someone who can basically just completely play you, like, I mean, he's, he's a magician, but he could easily just be the world's greatest grifter. Like, you know, and yeah, so he's, he sees her. That gives me a really good idea for the Frank Cadillac franchise. Dude. But like, it's just Frank Cadillac in, like the scenarios of other various cage movies. So it's like Frank Cadillac in Matchstick Men. I mean, not not literally Matchstick Men, but like a, a, a scenario or like a plot yeah. like Matchstick Men. For instance, like Frank Cadillac in like a national treasure situation. Oh, shit. Like think of how much cool shit he could steal. Yeah. You know? It could be fun or you could just like drain all the movies of any like <laughs> narrative consequence and, and stakes. I mean, I, I want to see like a Better Call Saul with like Frank Cadillac where he's, he, he has to actually wrestle with the like moral uh, questions of being a really good uh, skeezy grifter. Um, th- yeah, syndicate it, put it on. I'd watch it. But so yeah, so he's discovered, he's decided that Jessica Beals is going to be his, his his future. And, and there that does come up at the scene where, she sees that he has a power. And again, like the movie like makes the choice to, you know, she's like, wait, you like basically manipulated me. And then the movie just makes the choice to be like, but that's not an issue. (laughs) There's a bomb. (laughs) There's other stuff to worry about, you know? So she's not, not given anything to do, but okay. That's a good scene. It's, it's cool. He, uh, he like plays it just right. Like I liked that he like, you know, her like, ex-boyfriend or something comes in and causes a stink and he like imagines himself like white knighting it and coming in and beating the dude up but then uh but she doesn't like that so instead he just takes the punch uh which i thought was cute he charms her into giving him a ride (laughs) into what to flagstaff yeah (laughs) but i don't know why oh well because she's going to flagstaff so he and he knows that because she uh, teaches once a week at the Havasu Indian Reservation. Th- this was weird uh, because I, I also want to note that like the idea 
I think the the idea of her working at an Indian reservation and the idea of him being a magician were both Cage's ideas. Oh, for no doubt. Like no they, doubt. I, like yeah. confirmed. Um, and uh, the which this movie has. Uh, we'll get into a couple of the other things. Like uh, also like Frank Cadillac. That name <laughs> is absolutely Cage's idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, he literally says he in says, the movie, he as Frank Cadillac, but really as Cage, says that he named himself Frank Cadillac because because uh, uh, it's his two favorite things. He picked two things he yeah, liked. Frankenstein and Cadillacs. <laughs> yeah, which like at the, by this point, I think we can both, we you know when it's not a character. You're like, yeah, that's you're like, Nicolas that, Cage. Yeah, that's just Nicolas Cage made telling that choice. what he thought. Yeah. You've made that <laughs> choice and now the, <laughs> the meta text is text. It's like, he's just saying it. Yeah, I actually, I recorded that. I, I, but they, they go to the Indian reservation and did you, did you, she's like, yeah, I come here basically like, you know, I, I come here because it's super un, underfunded and, uh, you know, they need my help. But, it's like the most idyllic. Yeah. Like if you've ever, I've, I've been to a couple Indian reservations and they do not look like that. Like they look like people truly living in grinding poverty. And this was like, a, like a crystal blue waterfall with like these like gorgeous, like vistas of the, the grand Canyon. <laughs> All the kids are like really like well-fed and happy. Yeah, these and plump little like, cherubic yeah. like, uh, kids like being like, Oh, like our favorite white woman is here to teach us about the world. Um, Anyway, that's, that's not what it's like, I don't think. Uh, these couple scenes really highlight the, the chemistry between Jessica Biel and uh, Nick Cage, which is weird. <laughs> to say the least. To, to non-existent. Um, and, and almost all the like dialogue that wasn't like purely... Uh, expository. Expository. Yeah. I feel like Nick Cage wrote. I there was definitely some improvisation going on. So there. I yeah. here I, I I recorded this scene. This is my favorite uh, exchange with them that I think really highlights highlights it. Yeah, yeah, I just felt like sharing that with you. <laughs> like, that, yeah, he was he was for sure like off book. During, yeah, he yeah. was for sure off book during that scene. That is that was really weird. And she and she looks like Jessica Biel looks weirded out by that. There's also that part where he they go to the like 
fucking uh, cabin hotel, wherever the fuck they're staying. And she's like, oh, there's one problem. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to sleep in the car. And then he's, he just turns to her. He's like, what did the Zen master? Did you hear the, the joke about the Zen master? Wait, wait I got it. Oh, yeah. my, my phone's live streaming. Anyway, yeah, yeah, go ahead. He's like the Zen master who ordered the hot dog. She's like, no, he said. And he says he'd have, he'd have one with everything. And as as the IMDb trivia no, that, page points out, that's it, not the punchline. No, it, that that renders the joke completely useless. The punchline is, is make me one with everything. Yeah, but he 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 just biffs it, <laughs> and they keep it in the movie. And she looks really confused, like she doesn't laugh. They just kind of like stare at each other. He's like, "Okay, like see you in the morning." <laughs> Yeah, as I'm recalling it, I'm realizing that I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um he yeah, he also like compares he 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 like name drops some painter um and his definition of beauty and he he mispronounces the name. It's like Carletti or something. I don't know. I I don't know who it is, so I can't like act superior about it, but uh still still pretty ridiculous. Um and and so all of this is happening and and I think this like this section of the movie, besides how like weird their chemistry is, like I, I think this is the most interesting shit. Um because like yeah, like we said, like this superpower, what's really interesting, I think, about it is how it would shape your life, your day-to-day life, and uh, how, it, how it would change those decisions and, and morality and, and all of that. But um, then the, the MacGuffin comes into play and takes over, and uh, the FBI... Do they kid? They don't kidnap Jessica Beale, but they they bring her aside and they're like, "Hey, this guy's a psychopath, yeah, and you need to like help us get him." And then she changes her mind. She almost does. She like almost drugs his apple juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then decides not to because she loves him all of a sudden for no reason. And uh, then they. Uh, he's like, oh no, actually I have a superpower and he decides to go with the FBI anyway. It, it, it turns into this kind of like weird cat and mouse thing that where it doesn't matter because everything feels like the, we already know where it's going. He's going to help them. And uh, then he does. Oh, well, I, they, they, what, what was the deal where she took him... So this is where like the the his like powers yeah. start to like yeah so there's a weird come undefined because well, the one thing like he can he can like hear when people are talking about him from like far distances away wait um, really well okay I so, didn't pick up on that at all well so there's the part in the where the casino cops are looking at him and he like looks up at the camera and basically like knows that they're talking about him, which it's kind of like, okay, like maybe he sees into the future that they're going to come down and mess with him. Yeah. That's what I got from it. Um, but then there there's, so when Julianne Moore, there's, uh, I couldn't keep it straight in my head, but after, uh, they, they've got like snipers like pointed at him and they're trying to like, uh, they're trying to come after him and he goes outside and Julianne Moore ac- like across this canyon <laughs> says like 
she realizes that he's about to jump into the Grand Canyon to get away from him. And she's like, don't do it. And then we cut back to him and he goes, I already did. <laughs> and he jumps. So that was like, I don't totally understand how that works. And uh, anyway, he, they, they like a bunch of stuff like flies into the Canyon stuff, like trains crash and, there's a bunch of CGI mayhem. The Such bad CGI. Terrible CGI. And the thing is, is like, yeah, I know it's cheaper, but it wasn't anything crazy that you couldn't have done with like a real no, model train. Absolutely could have done practical effects yeah. and they would have looked good, but whatever. Um, then he goes with the FBI and she <laughs> sits him down in this chair, <laughs> this like clockwork orange Dude, okay. situation. It, it reminded me, yeah, it was like clockwork orange, but like, you know that thing, Cerebro? Cerebro? Yeah, that thing that <laughs> Professor X, like the helmet that he puts on, it looked like Cerebro as Clockwork Orange, like eye open device. Yeah. It was like a really weird, futuristic, like sleek metal looking, like. And it looked like it was connect. It, it looked also kind of like those sunglasses with windshield wipers on them uh, or something, but, and it was connected to what looked like a lie detector, but didn't seem to do anything because the whole machine's point was to keep his eyes open so he could watch local LA news and, and uh, like, yeah, like why did, why did they need to hold his eyes open? He was, he was there pretty, pretty willingly. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm also interested, they didn't explore this part of it at all because you know, immediately after he had the vision of her dying. So the whole plot took a left turn, yeah. but I wanted, I wish they had spent more time on the idea of like the FBI torturing him yeah. in order to get the results that they wanted from his superpower yeah. because all they did, they sat him in a chair, they put Cerebro orange <laughs> on his eyes and then, and then he like looked at local news. But I think it would have been interesting if you had, you know, really seen like the depths that the FBI would have gone to and like the human rights abuses sure. they would have taken to literally torture him to like in, in or done crazy, you know, experiments on him to try to, milk the power this could have been like uh philip k dick meets zero dark 30 dude and, <laughs> and it, like right it, i, I don't yeah. know i mean i think there's all sorts sure. of you know ideas you could have explore an, an indictment of the bush administration sure um well and like it absolutely could have done that and and also like this is where, like, the whole movie is about, it's like he can only see two minutes into the future. and But all it takes is Julianne Moore sitting him in a chair and being like, okay, think harder, though. See if you can see farther into the future. And then he just does. He just, like, he just does. He sees hours ahead and sees that the terrorists are going to get Jessica Biel. How? From where? They already did. They, uh, the FBI was there. They saw the house, they got Cage. Did she run away in all the like mayhem? Like, no, she's, she doesn't, she doesn't run. She doesn't have any feelings or thoughts. She's just, she's an automaton. How did they scoop her? Anyway, they, he see, <laughs> sees that that happened, that they bring her on a wheel, in a wheelchair, uh, to the roof of a parking a garage. A bunch of explosives yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they blow her up. So then he runs away to save her. He escapes from the FBI to try to save her. Right. And then when the FBI finally catches up with him, Julianne Moore says, 
or the rather the cardboard cutout of Julianne Moore <laughs> says, um, if you help us, we'll help you save her. But she just like agrees to it. She's just like, oh, he's like, I had this vision of her getting blown up. And Julianne Moore's just like, oh, well, we'll help you save her. Right. Well, like, we, I mean, we haven't even like talked about how ludicrous it is that the, the FBI, that the federal oh, government has, has, uh, is so like that, that there are multiple people who are like funding that have been funding for months at least an investigation into a psychic that, that uh, they're like, and that they just trust implicitly that there's like, like, do they, are there more people like Frank Cattle? Like how, do, you know where I'm going right. with no, this. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Like does the FBI have a whole X-Files type unit right. that just focuses on finding people with superpowers? Right. And uh, again, like another pocket of the story that would have been super interesting, but uh, they just want us to accept <laughs> it so we can get to the boring story about the, the, the bomb. Um, but then, so yeah, and then the, this long scene of uh, <laughs> them going like floor by floor through this parking garage warehouse situation that is also the bad guy's headquarters hideout and, uh, you know, killing off these like faceless, <laughs> nameless uh, bad, bad dudes, bad dudes yeah. um, and saving Jessica Beale uh, happens. And uh, then there's a twist. Should we give it away? Yeah. All right. Skip ahead like a minute if you don't want to hear this. But why are you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the twist is: so they rescue Jessica Biel, um, and then and then Julianne Moore's like, "Okay, now where's the bomb gonna go off?" And Cage like thinks into the future for a second, and then he's like, "Oh, I fucked up. It's gonna Don't go off." Made a boo boo. And then it blows up. It blows up. And then the fucking bomb blows up. And then you're like, oh shit. And then it snap cuts. Get this. This is really going to fuck with your head. It snap cuts back to Cage talking to Julianne Moore. No, talking to Beale. Oh, I'm sorry. Talking to Beale. In, like in bed. Yeah. Like, like the last, like an like, hour ago yeah, in, the, in the movies, the, like run half time. of the, basically like half of the movie didn't need to happen. Right. Right. So then, so then he's like, so then he's like, stay here. Uh, I need to go do something. No matter where you go, I'll find you. Or he says something like, I'll find you again. Right. Like we're destined to be together. I'll find you. And, and so again, then, again yeah. though. It's not two minutes. No. He saw us so far into the future. Like, like a day into the future, and at he, least. They make up he makes a point of you, right. yeah, whatever. And then and, and then he leaves Jessica Beale, goes to Julianne Moore, and he's like, Okay, okay I'll do it. I'll help you, but I have some conditions. And then as and then there's some weird like outro like VO where he's like just remember, every time you look at the future, it changes. So your future is only what you make it. Yeah. Or some weird platitude at the end. So it's essentially this movie is just Schrodinger's cat, like as a film. <laughs> because as soon as we saw the plot unravel, it undid itself. Maybe it's it's more like uh, the secret where <laughs> sure. just, you know, the future is just what you make it. You just I have mean, to imagine it. It's just so weird. Okay, so is that is that the plot? That's like, it. Okay, that's that, that's top to bottom. We we really so, gutted it. The twist. I read a lot of reviews on on various websites. Uh -huh. A lot of people were are still and were especially in contemporary reviews pissed about the twist ending. Right. Like wow, they just pulled the rug out from under us and like cheated us out of the movie. 
I think it was a good idea. Okay. And I think that it actually saved the movie from, yeah. from being, I mean, it still wasn't a great movie, but I think it, I think it, it brought a smile to my face because the movie ended and I was like, huh, all right. <laughs> you know, like that was a, that was a bold move. And uh-huh. I think that it kind of saved the movie from just ending on like a blah note. I, I, you know, I, I think what, uh, why it didn't bother me is that, um, everything, I mean, everything that it negated was pretty boring. Um, I think was the, the most boring part of the movie. Then just, I guess a more boring version of that is about to play out where, uh, you know, Jessica Biel doesn't get kidnapped. So it didn't really feel like there was much loss, much lost or gained from, uh, from the twist. Yeah. And it's the kind of twist that like, like, have you ever seen the butterfly effect? Yeah. That's like one of those yeah. movies that's like really deeply stupid, but it thinks it's smart. And uh, it, I think it's kind of charming because it it is like a stupid smart movie. And this is a, this is a stupider movie than that even, although like less of a hard, rough watch is <laughs> an easier watch. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no Ashton Kutcher, paraplegic Ashton <laughs> Kutcher with no arms or some shit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah. That was a weird thing. That's a fucked up movie. But, uh, yeah, but this, the, that twist is sort of like, it, it's one of those things where you know that like the screenwriters or at least one of the screenwriters was like, Hell yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. Like, totally. Uh, he closed that Word document and was yeah. like, yeah, good job. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Sin. <laughs> I'm getting a drink. <laughs> yeah, I, I think too that it kind of, that's the point. That is the point of Cage's power is that he can just like overthink everything pretty yeah. much to the point where, okay, so I think it's an even darker like idea mm. and obviously this is left completely ambiguous sure. i think we're led to believe that he'll keep having visions of her and find her again what if he doesn't what mm. if there's a like what if there's a movie where i mean it's almost like a it's almost like a cur- it's like a greek tragedy yeah, where it's like yeah. you you have the ability to save right. the future life of someone that you truly deeply love and the whole city right but you'll never see her again yeah yeah, I mean it's that it's the it's a total like superhero move. Like he had to save the city of Los Angeles and everyone in it, including himself and Jessica Biel. He has to like separate from her. The, I think that what saves it from feeling like it has any weight is he's like, I I'll, I'll come find you again, and we have no reason to believe that he won't because uh, he can sort of do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> I think he will. Um. Shit, there it is. There it is, man. You know, I mean, for as like high concept as this movie was, it that was one of the easier plots to lay out. Um, yeah, it was. I think because uh, it had no emotional or moral complexity, it was just like a few things that happened. Uh, I do want to give out. Uh, I want to give a shout out to his hairstyle in this Oof. movie. I think. Yes. To- I think top five cage hairstyles yeah. like that I, we've seen so far. And I think w- this one makes it come back. Uh, I think, I think he, he's gonna like, 
It like driving. Yeah. It, it, like I Bangkok dangerous. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Bangkok dangerous. He for sure has the same hairpiece in Bangkok dangerous. Like, how would you even how would you even describe it? Honestly, I can't. Every I, I think if you're listening, you should just Google image search him from next and just look at a couple like uh angles of him. Like the hairline's it's, receding. He's got the, like the widow peak. The hairline peak. is quite literally like halfway <laughs> up his skull. It's ridiculous. And all the hair is like the same length but it's like long it's like coming down to like his neck but it just sits on his head like this weird it's hat like, like wings or something um, if tommy was so had like extreme male pattern baldness and like just, <laughs> just really straight thick hair yeah it looks great it, it, it it's awesome cool well uh next time we are going to check back in with uh, Benjamin Franklin Gates, <laughs> one of my favorite Nick Cage characters. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so ready for this. Like National Treasure 1 uh, was a, tr- a delight. And I've you seen it. You almost said mul- treasure. <laughs> God, I did. <laughs> it, the true National Treasure were the movies that we made along the way. Um and I've seen the second one uh, once before. I don't remember anything about it. See, I it. haven't. So I'm I'm excited to see this one for the first time. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked to check back in with all of our friends in the National Treasure universe. Uh, so yeah, this this has been Heat Seeking Panther. And you know, rate us on the fucking thing on the app rate store. us on the app. Rate us, tell your uh, friends. Follow us follow on, us Instagram, on Instagram, Instagram at Heat Seeking Panther. You know what? Fuck it. If you want to email us, but please don't. I don't know the last time I checked it. Yeah, Heat Seeking Panther at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Um, if someone can find uh, Alice Kim Cage's email or Instagram, send it to us. That would be nice. I'd like to see what she's been doing. I hope she's doing well. Um, if Kal-El has an Instagram, I also want to find that. Oh, sp- speaking of speaking of Cage progeny, Weston. Uh, I guess it's probably about a week ago now by the time yes. we're recording this, but Weston posted, if you follow Weston Cage on Instagram, he posted uh, an acting reel uh, and he does a gloriously bad, like British. weird, ambiguous, continental, like <laughs> European accent, kind of British, but kind of German and also yeah. kind of French. Yeah. You, I was so I was so happy when yeah, you sent that well, to me. Well, me too, because I was, you know, and I said it in the text that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, no. He's, he's Weston has a long career of bad accents ahead of him, Dude, and I, for one, cannot wait. Watch the reel; it's so good. It's so awesome. Um, I I'm gonna leave the episode with this last little cage moment. All right, uh, thank you. This has been Heat Seeking Panther. I'm Miles. I'm Frank Cadillac. (laughs) So you're a magician? Well, I have a small magic act back in Vegas. The Frank Cadillac Show. I thought your name was Chris. It is. Frank Cadillac is my stage name. How'd you come up with that? I picked two things I really liked and I put them together. Frankenstein Cadillacs. You are odd, charming, but odd.